Give it up for our worship team, I'm biased, but rightfully so, I think, uh, if I can say so myself. Um, I said it before, they make me look good and I don't really have to work that hard, which is probably why I'm still in the job 11 years later. Uh, I think some would say there's a few more grey hairs. Um, but I started music directing when I started working, which is how I can keep track of it. And if you've spoken to my sister Kirby, she's very good at keeping track of things like who preached here, what year and what year this conference was on. And I have to still count my age and backwards to work out when I finished work. And so 11 years, um, but I have actually been uh, part of this family for too long to keep count. I think we came here when we were about eight years old um, from the Uniting Church, mum and dad, um, were, I'm pretty sure they were on like the eldership thing. Mum was an elder. Uh, she was a lot younger back then, but she was an elder in church. Uh, she's still young now and looking fabulous. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were occasionally on the worship team. Um, if you've heard dad whistle, um, you can see where we got our skills from. I think they were running the kids program at times as well. And so they were great builders and we were the only kids. Um, so uh, we, you know what, we could have stayed home, um, but we didn't stay home because our parents knew the value of being in church, being part of a family. Um, and we're really grateful for them and everything that you guys have given us. Um, moving to this family was not anything wrong with the old family, but I think they just saw um, perhaps we wouldn't stick at it if we were just hanging out with our parents the whole time um, and they saw the value of having people around us that would help us grow uh, and shape and become the people we are. So here we are, something many years later, 14, 24. <laughs> I don't do the maths in our family. Uh, 24 years later, still kicking strong. So uh, we love you guys. Um, I love you guys. I look out and see many faces of people that have just blessed me uh, over the years. So thank you. Thank you, Pastor Julie. Um, Pastor Bruce, who watch it later, I'm sure. So um, we are so privileged in this house with this family. So um, I wanted to start off with a question for you guys, which is not like a super spiritual hypothetical. It's like an actual question that I would like you to at least think about your answer. Um, why did you come today? Why are you here? Uh, if I didn't come today, it's probably going to be awkward for someone else who would have to fill this gap. Uh, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, anyone? Anyone keen to grab it instead? Uh, why are you here though? Um, everyone here will have probably a different answer. Some will be super spiritual and you've worked that out. Well done. I'm still getting there. Some will be because it's just what you do and you haven't really given it much more thought than that. Uh, some of you will be here on holidays and well done coming to church uh, in your routine that's been mixed up on school holidays. Some will love the coffee, some won't. Some will just think it's like, why are you here? Why did you come today? And I think it's a really important question for us to think about. And as we unpack the book of 1 Corinthians, it's where I've kind of sat my message in. Um, I think that's really part of what Paul is doing. Uh, his letter is longer than my notes. I'll assure Pastor Bruce, um, although I have a few. But um, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church that he established two years prior to his letters, ballpark. Um, and I really feel like the, the crux of his letters was, guys, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing? Because I've laid out how I want you to function as a church. I've really just come to you. He said, I haven't come with lofty words and with smart preaching. Uh, I've come with the message of Jesus. And it's as simple as that. And the Corinthians, if you've read 1 Corinthians, have just got up to all sorts of like 
just, they've got antics going on in their church. They're suing each other. Uh, They are coming because there's a cute boy in the back who might already be married, but they've got their eye on him. They are getting up to all sorts of no good. They are um, coming to the feasts so they can get filled and not leaving stuff for the rest of the church. They've just got their wires crossed and they've really forgotten about what the point of the church was. And so Paul's letters are kind of direct. Um, I'm, I'm fairly confident the first letter he sent uh, isn't for us to read. We haven't got it as part of our scriptures. Um, that's probably good for the Church of Corinthians because they obviously got three somewhat scathing letters saying, get yourself sorted out. But they were letters that are also filled with encouragement and correction so that we can keep on the right track. I like to think they're kind of Paul writing to the church and saying, what are you guys doing? Why did you even come? Have you come for the right reasons or have you come to serve another purpose? So I'm hoping as we unpack some thoughts today, um, you know what, none of those answers are wrong. You haven't come for the wrong reasons, you've come, that's amazing. But I'm hoping that as we unpack some of these thoughts, uh, we'll actually recognise what is the point? Why do we actually come to church? What's the purpose of it all? The church in Corinthians forgot their purpose and I'm hoping I can remind you of some of ours this morning. So throughout the book of Corinthians, um, the Bible Project, if you're using those resources, good on you, uh, have been on and off with our Bible plan, a couple of sloppy seasons, a couple of really quick catch-ups. So wherever you're at with it, well done. Um, But the Bible Project is a really useful resource. And in that, it describes the book of Corinthians uh, as kind of Paul calling the church to view every area of their life through the lens of the gospel again. I bought sunglasses this week and it was sunny, hallelujah. I was driving to work and I got halfway to work and I realised that I had just been like painfully squinting. I don't know if this happens to anyone else, but you squint and you're like, your eyes are all scrunched up and it's a bit uncomfortable. And I put my sunglasses on and I was like, oh, like that's how I meant, that's how I meant to see things. I meant to be able to see things clearly And I'm meant to be able to see things without straining, without effort, without striving. And so when God asks us to look through a lens, I think he calls us to look through a lens of love. These aren't my new sunglasses I bought, but they are new. (laughs) I can still see you all, which is a miracle. But as I was reading this, I thought "It's, it's as simple as that. God is calling us to look at life through a lens of love. Shane. You can have them after me if you'd like. I think they'd look really good on you. Uh, I might keep them uh, as well. Who knows? They're a real vibe. But I can see things so differently now that I've got my glasses on. So what lens are you looking through life on? Now, a lot of the time my sunglasses, oh, hello, they end up here and they just hang out on my head like a very cool accessory. Uh, That's not the purpose of sunglasses. It's nice when they look good. But the purpose of sunglasses is actually to help us see in different situations. So maybe you've been walking around life with your sunnies in your glove box or your sunnies in your he- on your head um, or tucked in the top of your shirt, but they're not doing what you're meant to do. I think it's a bit like church life. Sometimes we can come in and we can just put the lens that we're meant to be looking through things just on our head. We forget about it. We Imagine if I got up here and just forgot I had my sunnies on for the day. So I know someone was had lost their sunnies, was looking for them, found a pair, wasn't theirs, found theirs on their head. It's like, we can go through life forgetting about the basics and the essentials. We can go through life squinting and not seeing clearly simply because we have forgot to put our lenses on and to look through the right way. 
I'm not going to keep them on the whole time, but I hope you remember them. If you remember nothing, remember cool shades and looking through a different lens. So why are you here? Why did you come today? What's the purpose? Um, I don't need to be smart, clever. Uh, I don't need to come up with fancy points for you guys. Uh, Paul says it at the start of Corinthians. He said, I'm not here with wise, persuasive words. We prayed um, for you guys in our last music practice. It's the same as the team up here. We are not up here trying to impress you or convince you. Uh, we walked around the auditorium actually last time. We prayed for every single chair in this place because our heart is to bless you. So that's why I'm here this morning. I'm here to bless you with something that hopefully just shifts the little thing inside of you. Um, it's, I don't care whether I impress you or not. I don't care if my sunglasses look good or not. It's not about me. It's about you guys. It's about building this house. And so why are we here? We have got our vision statement. We have got our values. Like, I almost feel like Paul, Paul was reminding people of what they already were told. So I'm like, I don't actually need to come up with fancy points for you guys because our pastors have diligently worked and prayed and sought after vision for this house and they've built a team around that and they've given it to us already. We have our core values. And so if I was to unpack a few of them, which I will today, because uh, that's what's on my notes and that was my plan, our f one of our values is to love people. We have uh, on our website, we've got a welcome home booklet, uh, c3ah.org.au forward slash welcome home, correct? Correct. Uh, which is an amazing resource and one of the pages that you can flick through. Look, if you've lived here forever, still feel welcome, still check it out because that stuff is unchanging and is the same yesterday, today, always not quite the Jesus same yesterday. We might change it one day. But um, it's in there for us already. And so one of our key values is to love people. Uh, and we've got a scripture that goes along with that and some descriptions just to make it really easy for us. I was reading it and in 1 John 4, 11 to 12, um, it says a few other things alongside, dear friends, since God loved us, we ought to also love each other. And in our booklet, it goes on to say, Lo loving people means doing life together. And I was just thinking about that point and I could look around the room and I reckon I could pick on most people and think about a time where I've had the pleasure of doing life together with them. Like I rocked up to Laurie's place one day and Suze was there helping out with her kitchen renovations, which look amazing. And suddenly we did share a gin. Suze had a cup of tea. Uh, but we did life together and I learned all about square and rectangle doorknobs and placements and all sorts of things. And I see Elizabeth out there who has just always been encouraging and comes up with a big hug and uh, grabs her miracles. And so Elizabeth has taught me so much. I look around the room and I reckon every Sunday without doubt, Les comes up to me and says, worship was amazing this morning. Thank you so much. Like we do life together. Uh, I've been out to the Bullfins place getting like throwing a mono on a quad bike uh, and done life with them. And Graham, if you haven't spoken to Graham, is an absolute legend. Once he starts talking, doesn't stop talking, which is amazing and he's full of gold. Um, I've been in a creek pulling like weeds out with Claire. I think Claire's gone out with the kids. But, um, and Duncan, like these guys have just joined the family not that long ago, but um, we just hung out and we just pulled weeds together. And that front of the church looks amazing because she stuck at it, I had to disappear. Um, but the time we spent together, I just learned so much about 
uh, her story and where she's come from. Like doing life together is how we learn to love each other. Like you can't expect to make those connections by just coming, going and not speaking to someone. We put the 60 seconds in there because we value time spent together. Um, and if I haven't picked on you, it's not because Dougie, your high fives are the best every week. And I'm pretty sure you're still probably cranking oceans on your Spotify playlist. Yeah, it's still there. I know it. But you guys, like, you guys are family. You guys are so valuable. And we come here because we love people. That's what we're called to do. We do life together. And if you haven't found that yet, I would challenge you to keep doing life together. Come to the picnic this afternoon. I will steal a basketball from you and probably make a fool of myself, but it will be fun. Matt will probably get kicked in the head with a soccer ball and get far too competitive. But this is how we do life together. This is what being part of a family is. So why are you coming here? I think, and I've often given this advice to people, I've said, like, come, come to church, it will do you good. Come to church, you'll get something out of it. And maybe we come in with that attitude, that opinion, like, I better come to church this morning because I just need, I need something. Something's happened in my week. Now, that's not a bad reason at all. Uh, and coming to church will do you good. But have you considered that come to church, it will do someone else good? Because we know when you're not around. Like, we feel the gap that you leave when you're not here because you're part of the family. There's a seat at the dinner table that's not filled when you're not here. And so even if you don't want to come for yourself, like come for someone else because it will do them good. We're here to build a family together. And so whether you've had a great week, a rotten week, I had an overcommitted week. I thought, great, school holidays. Uh, all of my extracurriculars off. So I was like, great, I'm going to book up social things. Uh, so I did that. And then I thought, oh, gosh, I'm preaching. Uh, so better spend some time on that. I also started a new role at work this week. And I thought, oh, that'd be great. I've got school holidays to think about it. And then those three things collided uh, and I realised I didn't really have time for any of it. So whatever week you have had though, come to church because it will do someone else good, you being here. We have, um, I often think we're, look, you might not be in the Pinterest generation. Um, I love we have almost every generation covered in this family. Um, but Pinterest is like, you get a pretty picture or a nice quote and you go, oh, that sounds good and you pin it digitally on the computer. Um, but the more I read them, I think they're trash, to be honest. Because <laughs> some of the things that pop up are things like, do only what you love and you'll never work a day. I'm like, I, I love what I get to do for work, but if I only did the things that I love doing, I would barely fill a day of work in a week, to be honest. Or only do things that bring you joy. What about someone else? What about if bringing joy to someone else actually means putting yourself out a little bit, losing a bit of sleep, um, spending a bit of money that you didn't have? But if it brings someone else joy, like surely that's the way we should be looking at it. This is the lens that we need to look things through. <laughs> they don't really bounce. This is the lens. Like we look differently. When we put the lens of Jesus on, we see differently. We think differently. In Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians 10.23, I reckon I did give you this one, Dossie. Welcome back. Straight back in the house, serving up the back corner. What a legend. Can't hide behind there either because he's grown about a foot. But 1 Corinthians 10.23 uh, says, I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. This is Paul's instruction to the church. This is him reminding them, 
this is what we do here. This is why we came. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Pastor John shared a couple of weeks ago that, uh, and some practical ways that I think of doing this is win the relationship, not the argument. I think if you remember that, win the relationship, not the argument. And in Corinthians 8, it talks about um, one of the practices they've got all wonky, and it's about eating food that hasn't, that's been blessed by other idols. Basically, they're just, they're, everyone's disagreeing about, should you eat that food, should you not? These idols are being blessed by that, so it's not holy meat, and we shouldn't eat that. And everyone's got different opinions on it. And we all have different opinions. I love that. I think it's great. I think it makes us exciting and entertaining and not like boring little fall in line, just yes, boss, how high, boss. I've got a bo- boss like that at the moment. Probably shouldn't say that on a stream. Uh, anyway, uh, talking about the food, when they're arguing about food, Paul says, now regarding your question about the food, so this is 1 Corinthians 8, now regarding your question about the food that's been offered to idols, yes, we all know that we have knowledge, we know things about this issue, we've got an opinion about this issue, but while knowledge makes us feel important, doesn't it? I like to know things. While knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. So he goes on to say, do you know what? If eating the meat doesn't bother you, eat the meat, you're fine. But actually, if you're dining with someone who it does bother them, maybe don't. Like, maybe think of the other person before you just gorge yourself on this meat that's making that other person feel uncomfortable. And so, again, it's an opportunity for us to put the lens on, to go, is what I'm doing loving others, or I simply selfishly seeking and just doing what makes me feel good? So why are you here? Have you just come to fill up, leave and go home? Have you come to be part of this family and to love other people and to bless other people? The other little thing I put there, which um, preached to myself, uh, pray before you spray, which I just thought is a good way of thinking about, like it's really easy to whinge about someone and just give a bit of a spray. Yes, alone. Yep, yeah, Shane, thank you. Thank you, brother. Uh, Pray before you spray. It's really hard to be annoyed at someone when you're praying for them. So another, it's an opportunity to put on a different lens and see it differently. In Ephesians 4.29, one of my favourite verses, which really hits me here sometimes uh, and makes me want to, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it might benefit those who listen. So what words are coming out of your mouth? How are you loving people with that? Pray before you spray. Makes me want to do like a... Really bad dance, a really bad dance move. Dance using constant coming up soon. I won't be on stage. One of my favorite scriptures in Corinthians then, when Paul is pulling it all together, he goes, so I've got these instructions, but actually what's the point of it all? What's underpinning this? And it's 1 Corinthians 13. And um, I think we're probably familiar of that verse as a, like a wedding verse. Um, so you've probably heard it before, but actually it wasn't written for a married couple. It wasn't written for the context of love in the way that we know marriage is love. Um, It was actually written from Paul to the church about how to care for each other. And so I think when in doubt, this gives us fantastic instructions of how to just check ourselves. I think Kirby shared this a couple of weeks ago as well. So if you've heard it twice, it might be worth listening. I know I could hear this multiple times and still be all right with it. So nothing fancy, nothing new. Just a reminder this morning for what we do and what our values are. So I'm reading from the Passion Translation. 
Uh, love is large and incredibly patient. Are we those things around others? We might be large if we eat all the food at the table and steal it from people. This means big love. Like, are we open to people? Do we have our arms open? Are we patient with people? Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. Love cares for others more than itself. So as we said, that example of eating the meat, just because you're okay with it, does that mean you do it when other people are uncomfortable? So there might be things in church life that you're really comfortable with, um, but if it makes another believer uncomfortable, if they don't understand it, why are we doing it if it's not building the house and if it's not loving other people? Put your lens back on. Stop squinting through life, but put the lens on and think about what we're doing and how we're loving. It refuses to be jealous when blessing comes to other people. Do we celebrate with people when things happen in their world or do we get jealous and envious? Now, I like, trust me, I'm not perfect on this. So I'm not saying this because I've worked it out, but I use this to check myself because absolutely, I get really annoyed when someone gets something that I don't and I get that little like inside or the stomach grab but I come back to this and I go, no, do you know what? Loving someone means that I can celebrate with them. Even if it's something that I was really uh, hungry for or something I was really looking for, I can celebrate with this person because I love them. Um, Love doesn't have what it doesn't have. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. It doesn't brag about its achievement or inflate its own importance. It doesn't traffic in shame or disrespect. We don't speak poorly about people. We don't, you know, bless them to their face and speak about them behind their back. We don't spray about people we pray for people it's not easily irritated can be our quick to take offense love joyfully celebrates honesty finds no delight in others wrongs love is a safe place of shelter how good would that be this house to be known as a safe place of shelter where anyone can come at any time because they know this is a house where we love people where we put our filters on, we get it wrong. Yes, I don't expect perfection. Pastor Bruce and Julie, don't expect perfection. We want you to be a place where you can be safe, loved, you can know Jesus, you can grow, and you can keep moving towards this. Love never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. If you want to know how to love people, I suggest getting that in you and just starting there. Learn some patience. Be gentle and kind to people. Care for others more than yourself. There's so much gold in there, and I reckon every translation does it a different justice. So you could have a list for days. But So it's easy, right? That's easy. Correct? <laughs> Done. Sold. You all know how to love each other. You're going to get it right every time. I'll see you later. <laughs> Job done. It's not, it's not that easy. I look at that and I go, it sounds great, but how on earth do I do that? Because I absolutely get irritated at the driver that cuts me off on the, or doesn't even cut me off, that like they're driving probably the sp- speed limit and they're still too slow and then, and then this happens and then someone doesn't do something, but they never promised they were going to do it, so I get irritated at them and then someone's like, I can't do that, but I can't, and like it's so hard when you live in a family, like families aren't, I don't know about yours, Love mine. We don't function perfectly all the time. We're all not like flowers and pretty scents and dance around and it's all good. Like family are family. Things happen. People annoy, people irritate, people let you down. Uh, People do the wrong thing. 
how do we do this? How do we get it right? Well, if we go back to that scripture, um, there's more than one kind of love. I said, love is not love. It translates four different ways. So it's a little bit more complex than that. Like I say, I love you to my husband and to the chicken nugget that I get from McDonald's. Like, it's true. I know you know it. Hot, salty chip. Mm-mm. Love it. We have one word that is designed to try and describe like a plethora of ways that we can love things. Uh, the Greek actually has four different words. And the word that's used in this scripture is agape love. And agape love is the highest level of love. Agape love is the love that Jesus gave us when he died on the cross for our sins. For Jesus, this love is action. It's the choice that he made to go to the cross, to die in our place so that we could be brought near to our Father. That is agape love. Agape love is sacrificial. Agape love doesn't think of others, doesn't think of self, sorry. That's a very incorrect definition. The total opposite, agape love is not self-seeking. It is not the love I give my chicken nugget. The nugget sacrifices itself for me. Agape love is... <laughs> Sorry, it does. Agape love is the love that comes in John three sixteen, which is for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that none of us should perish, but we should all have eternal love, eternal life. And that is, if I'm working in backwards order, that's our number one. That is our value that we put at the top of it all, is love God, love people, serve God, serve people to round them out, but love God. That is the way we can do this. Uh, our scripture that goes with that, if you're grabbing our welcome home booklet, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's in Matthew 22, 37. And it goes on to say, I love that we've got this instruction so available to us. So loving God is not a feeling. It's a decision that involves action. It is learning to put God and his purposes first in your life. It is learning to put your lens of love on and put your goals and to look at life through a different filter. It's an active choice to stop squinting and to put your glasses on, perhaps to pick up your cross every day. We love because God loved us first. It's in 1 John 4.19. We love because God loved us first. And this is not like a tag you're it kind of God loved us first or like a pay it forward, God loved us first. He's like, I've done it, now you go, passed on the baton. No, this is a transformative love. This is love that actually has invaded our hearts and our minds and actually changes the way we think. It puts a different lens on us. It actually empowers us to do the things that we can't do when we're just trying to do it in our own flesh. I've written that down. God's love is transformative and empowers us to do the things we can't do if we purely rely on our flesh. So if we are trying to love people in our flesh, promise you, we will get it wrong. We will not feel like we can be the agape Corinthians love that Paul talks about. If we are not empowered by Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a slog. So why are you here? I would suggest that coming to build your relationship and connection with Jesus Christ should be number one, and all things will flow from that. 
God's love is transformative and empowers us to do these things that we otherwise cannot do if we rely on our flesh. I might get the team to start shimmying back up. Glad you didn't get all the way out of here. It says it so well in 1 John 4, and I'm going to read a bit of scripture for you. Goes all the way through to like 20 or something. But those who are loved by God are able to let his love continually pour from you to one another. Those who are loved by God truly know they are loved, saved and set free by God are able to let his love pour continually from themselves to one another. How do we love other people? We let God love us first because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experience an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God. Which I find that a really challenging thought. Like if you're going around being like, I, I can't love, I don't love people. Have you really allowed yourself to experience the full transformative love of Jesus Christ? Because it says it plain and simple here. So I said Paul was pretty direct. The one who doesn't love has yet to really know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when He sent His Son in the world so that we might live through Him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved Him. It was His love, not ours. He proved it. There was action to His agape love. He proved it by sending His Son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins delightfully loved ones. If He loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. It should be the lens in which we choose to look at people through. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendour. But if we love each other, God makes His permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in Him. And His love is brought into its full expression in us. If you don't know God's love, can I suggest that learning to love people might be a great way to start revealing that. It might be a faith move that you need to make just to really understand. Because we can't see God, we haven't seen Him in His full splendour. But how good is that, that He reveals His love through the love that's held between the community and a church. And that's what's bringing His love into full expression. And thank goodness for this, He has given us His Spirit so that we can have the assurance that He lives in us and we live in Him. We could not do this without the Holy Spirit. We would not want to do it without the Holy Spirit. We would be looking through a pair of cheap JJ's glasses. These are just a substitute, FYI. This is no Holy Spirit in these. But He's given us His Spirit so that we can be empowered to do these things. And we have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust the love He has for us. I'll get you guys to just close your eyes as we come to a close because maybe we don't, maybe you hear that and you don't trust in the love of God. Um, you don't know its full expression. Perhaps you've never even explored the love of Christ and what it means to you. I would suggest if you don't trust God's love, then loving other people will be quite challenging. But God is love, and those who are living in love are living in God and God lives in them. Our love for others is a grateful response to the love God first demonstrated to us. 
We love people because we love God and His Spirit empowers us. This is resurrection, hope and power. Not fancy tricks, not magical wild things, but love. It's as simple as love. Agape, self-sacrificing, go to death and rise up again for you kind of love. Why are you here? I am here for Jesus. I'm here because of Jesus. I am here because he sent his because God sent Jesus as his son to die on the cross for me. And so I'll ask that question again. Why are you here? Do you know Jesus? Have you experienced his love? If not, I'd love to pray for you. It's as simple as that. God does not make his love hard to gain, hard to secure. He's freely given it to us. And so if perhaps that's you for the first time, I'd love you to be bold and just raise your hand to say, yep, I don't know God's love, but I need it. I want it. And maybe you have just been walking around with your glasses on your head or in the glove box of the car and you've recognised that maybe I'm, I'm not functioning in the fullness of God's love. We're going to move into a, a time of worship just to finish off today and I'd, and I'd love to hang around and be able to pray for you. If you need your glasses cleaned, located again, filtered back on, we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I thank you that you've been with us this morning. I thank you that your spirit has been with us. I thank you that you have loved us with the greatest love ever known to us. Father, with agape love, which sent you to send your son to die in our place, simply that so, so you could have an intimate relationship with us so that you could love us in order for us to be able to love others, God. So we pray right now for our, our congregation. We pray for the people here and online. We just pray that you would invade our hearts with your love, with your Holy Spirit, and that you would empower us to do things that we can't do in our own flesh, that this house would be known as a house of love, a place of shelter for people, Father, a place where your Holy Spirit works powerfully. Lord, so we ask for these things in your powerful name and we stand and we worship you as we close this morning. Thank you, team.